The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody, if that's a thing. I don't really know, but happy Monday anyways. It is sunny, 70 degrees, Auburn basketball coming off a win over the weekend. What else could you ask for on a Monday afternoon? And it's 2 o'clock on the best station in town with the best two guys you're ever going to meet. You couldn't ask for anything better than that. This is the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. I'm your man Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7 with me in the studio as he is every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. My co-host, Uncle T-Bone. Happy Monday, brother. How was your weekend? Oh, had a nice weekend, Jacob. Good to see the Auburn Tigers and basketball getting back on track, traveling over to Athens, and you and Pops bringing home a big win yes. along with Bruce Pearl and Chad Baker-Mazar and the rest of the Tigers. It sounded like on TV, not just late in the game, but early in the game, that Auburn fans had just about taken over Stegman Coliseum. And uh, it was good to see Auburn get back on on track. Auburn baseball also this weekend taking two out of three against a fantastic Iowa pitcher on Friday, wrecking Wichita State Saturday and uh, having a nice little game against Virginia, a top 10 team yesterday. So uh, things are looking good so far on the Plains. It's a beautiful day and I'm just happy to be here on this Monday afternoon here at On the Line. Give us a call at 334-321- 1390. Yes, that's the number you can call in. Got a great show on tap for you today. Uh, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us coming up in hour number two. We'll talk that Auburn basketball game, get the updates on baseball and softball. He was on the call for Auburn softball this weekend, so get updates on that. Gymnastics won their senior night meet on Friday night, uh, so we have that to talk about and so many other things around Auburn athletics. There's a new statue on campus now, if you didn't see. uh, The most national championship in mascot history for college mascots is Aubie, and he's got himself a new statue on campus out in front of the student center. So, so many things to talk about on the Auburn front. Other things going on around the NCAA, college basketball, college football. Um, You have just a ton happening in the sports world right now. So, all of that we will cover on the show today. He mentioned it. Phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to us. Your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns over the weekend uh, with Auburn basketball on the road to Georgia, SEC basketball, college basketball, anything on your mind, we want to hear from you. And you mentioned it, Uncle T-Bone. That's where we're going to start the show today. The streak is broken. (laughs) Whip out the trumpets, bring up the band, and get this thing fired up because the streak has been broken. I had people calling me, texting me, tweeting at me. I mean, you thought I had just gotten elected president because the streak was officially broken this weekend. I was in in person in attendance at Stegman Coliseum when Auburn took on the, the Bulldogs of Georgia. 
And for those of you that have listened to me and and listening over time, you know that there's one game a year that my dad and I and our guys, our friends, we go on a guys trip every year to a new road SEC basketball game. This was year, I believe this was year six, five or six. I'd have to go back and do the math. And we had not won a game. We had been, we were winless. We were over in all of our road games that we had been on. And so going into this game Saturday, there were a lot of question marks about Auburn without Jalen Williams coming off of the loss to Kentucky a week ago with the bye week with no midweek game last week and on the road yet again, a Georgia team that the record may not show it, but they're a pretty good team and they've hung around with a lot of good teams this year. And so yeah, we were a little scared going into the game on Saturday night over in Athens, but man, we had a great time, great trip. Athens is a really good town, really big. I mean, you forget, if you haven't been to Athens, you just don't know how big it is. It's a city. I mean, it is. Athens is a city, got a lot of great restaurants, a lot of great bars. Uh, the the arena, first time being at Stegman Coliseum, and I'll just give it its props here, very, very nice. I mean, like, really, really nice. Outside, yeah, it's fine. Looks just like any other building. Mm -hmm. But you get inside, and the concourse was really nice. The arena part, the inside of it was extremely decorative. And I'll say this, the red and black looked really good together inside the building. I know we're not red and black fans here, but it looked sharp. It did, and uh, we had great seats. We were on the on the lower baseline, on the floor, next to the Auburn bench. No, we don't have money like that, but we just kind of lucked up on those tickets, and so we had a great time, man. And I'll say this too. Every single person that worked at Stegman Coliseum, every worker there was some of the nicest people I've ever dealt with. I mean, just nice as could be. Welcome to Athens. Hey, how are you? You know, can we show you to your seats? Can we get you anything? Can we answer any questions? Welcome to Athens. You know, glad you're here. How was the trip? I mean, it was the nicest opposing people I've dealt with in a long time, which I know is kind of crazy with Auburn being in Athens, but it was awesome, man. We had a really good time and Auburn won the game. That's the best part is Auburn won. And not only did Auburn win, Auburn dominated by the end of it, Uncle T-Bone. Oh, yeah. We were stressing a little bit there in that second half when the dogs cut it to three, but Auburn then, they uh, they let up for a second, and then they put their foot back down on the throat and took care of Georgia. I mean, Georgia's not an NCAA tournament team this season, but they are much improved with what they have been over the last four to five years where Auburn's kind of wrecked the dogs at will. Uh, Georgia coming into this game 15-11. and 11. Uh, Mike White, their head coach, a very solid coach, uh, very well thought of around the league. His program is improving. Okay, Rome, 100%. Rome is not built in a day. Just go back and look at the early Bruce Pearl years of the Auburn program. I mean, it, this program was in such terrible shape. Tom Crean led this program. Give me a break. So it's going to take a minute for the dogs to uh, get back to where they, they want to get. But you're talking about an SEC that's a very difficult conference with a lot of good teams. But most everyone, especially this time of year, is playing fantastic basketball at home. Mm-hmm. 
And Auburn goes on the road after a much-needed break. That was very evident that the Tigers were not sluggish coming out in this game. And uh, I'm going to put it on Mike Griffith over at Dog Nation. I read this article over the weekend. Mike does a pretty good job of being pretty fair to Auburn in all sports. I followed him in football especially. Column over at Dog Nation. Auburn bloodies Georgia. Tigers fans take over Stegman Coliseum. How many people do you think sit in Stegman and how many Auburn fans do you think were there, Jacob? Because I could hear Auburn fans early in the game chanting, let's go Auburn over and over again and chanting defense while the Tigers were on defense against Georgia. Well, I can tell you that Stegman holds almost 11,000. It's like 10 and a half, 10 and some change. Um, They're pushing uh, 11,000 people that can sit in there and it was not full at the very, very start, but within the first four or five minutes, that place was full. It was packed out. Every seat Mm -hmm. was taken and on the way to the arena, walking around the arena, in the arena, during the game, and then afterwards around town in Athens, it was 60-40. It was 60-40 Georgia, but Auburn fans traveled, and they traveled well. How about that? Like they normally do. And by the end of it, it was all Auburn. I mean, the last five minutes of the game, Georgia fans, students, and everybody except coaches and players had gotten out of the building, and Auburn fans took over. And they were spread out, but there was a big corner that we were in down there by the bench. And there was some serious noise. And and look, we were talking about it. It's an easy trip to Athens for those that are here in Auburn. I mean, you just shoot over at 85. I mean, you go through Atlanta, just stay over, and it's an easy trip. It's also an easy trip for the folks in Birmingham and other towns. That's where my, my dad and their friends were coming from was Birmingham. So, it's not a hard trip. I mean, we drove over Saturday and came back Sunday morning. Like, it's an easy day trip. And so, for the Auburn fans that live in the state of Georgia or the ones spread out across our state of Alabama, I was not surprised to see them travel the way that they did. And it showed, and you could hear it. I had text of people telling me that you could hear it through the television, like you were talking about. You could hear it on the radio broadcast with Andy Burcham. Like, you could tell that Auburn was in that building and while Auburn was loud Georgia fans were not loud the entire time but that run they made in the second half Uncle T-Bone it got loud I was impressed it got loud and that's when we started to really worry was oh goodness here we go Auburn was been up this entire game here come the dogs Auburn's missing some shots Georgia's within three and then this crazy thing happened I mean, it was unbelievable. I've never seen it. I think I don't think I've ever seen it in my whole life. Georgia was on a run. The opposing team had all the momentum. Auburn brings the ball down the floor, and what does Trey Donaldson do? He Auburn. stops, and Bruce Pearl called a timeout. It was a miracle. It was unbelievable. It was the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And I, I, I sort of joke, but I sort of don't, Uncle T-Bone, because yeah. how many times have we seen in the Bruce Pearl era where – a team begins to go on a run. They string together 8, 10, 12 points in a row, and Bruce Pearl just lets them play. And that's his motto. It has been his entire coaching career, but he lets them try to play through it. And a lot of times it backfires. But he took that timeout on Saturday in that second half. We're going to get a lot more into this 
But I think it was effective. I think it worked. Because then Auburn came back and really put it on him after that. Yeah, it totally worked. I mean, you mentioned it earlier when Georgia got within three. That was with 9.29 left in the game. That's a lot of basketball left in a game. And the dogs went on a run. The crowd was going crazy. Dog fans barking to the moon. Tigers only up 64-61. And the fans inside Stegman going wild. Everyone's getting a little nervous. I especially was watching that game on TV on my back porch at home. And then they called a timeout. And you know what? It was one of the few times that I can remember that happening and also thinking to myself, we're about to uh, we're about to regroup here. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel like we were going to lose control of that game. Auburn came out, and that was a physical physical basketball game ask blue cane he's got six stitches in his face now from georgia after this basketball game and the tigers were fresh the tigers showed championship grit the tigers were like not today georgia they take this time out auburn ends up draining 12 of its next 16 final shots led by a uh, whirly bird that we call Katie Johnson who mm. just got crazy after that timeout taking it to both Georgia and the Georgia fan base and the Tigers went on an 11-0 run to break it away and uh, as we can say the rest is history not long after that uh, all you could hear was glory glory Auburn Tigers A-U-B-U-R-N as, as uh, dog fans streamed out of their own coliseum it was a good feeling it's always good to beat georgia but especially nowadays with georgia kind of owning us in football and have for such such a long time and auburn and auburn fans really really needed this win after what happened against kentucky last saturday well like my dad was saying yesterday morning driving back from athens for us personally it was really nice to be on the road driving away from an opposing stadium an opposing town with a win under our belt because we hadn't done that in a while but for all of auburn fans whether it be our listeners or, or just an auburn fan in general To see this type of a performance, to see this type of a game coming off of the Kentucky loss where you looked as bad as it could get, you go on the road to a stingy Georgia team, somebody, a team that was up double digits on Bama, a team that ran with Kentucky, a team that won at South Carolina, a team that's really good and going to be good in the future, an Auburn team without their best player, Jalen, well, one of their best players, you can make arguments here, one of their best players in Jayla Williams. And just not really knowing what you were going to see coming off of the off week. This is the Auburn team that fans want to see. This is the Auburn team that fans believe can make a run to the Final Four. But again, the problem becomes, Uncle T-Bone, which team are you going to get night in and night out? And I have a lot more thoughts about this. Yeah, I do too. But I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance you could start to see a performance like this, similar to this, a lot more consistently here coming down the stretch. Sporadic. You know, that's kind of how I describe Auburn. One week, uh, one Saturday. I mean, we've seen it just in the last four or five games. They go down to yeah. Florida, a no-show. They show up at home, destroy South Carolina. They don't take care of business against Kentucky and have one of their worst shooting performances in the history of Bruce Pearl inside Neville Arena. Mm. Get a break, but lose a player. Regroup all week. Head over to Georgia, and uh, that's a Georgia team still 
trying to make some type of statement this season. Definitely not going to be a tournament team, but, you know, would at least like to be in the conversation. A win over Auburn there for Georgia is huge. It's huge. It's a program statement. It means we're back. It means, hey, kids in Atlanta and the Nike camps and everything, come to Athens, quit going to Auburn. Bruce Pearl's dominated in-state and recruiting in Georgia compared to Georgia and even Georgia Tech. Yeah. And what do we do? We go over there. And we have a championship mentality, and we get gritty, next man up, and we take care of business. We talked about it Friday. Who would take that spot? Who would fill that void that Jalen Williams left with his injury? Chaney Johnson was the obvious answer. Chad Baker Mazar was mentioned. He had an incredible game. Yes, he did. But really and truly, the one that I mentioned and threw out Friday, he stepped up as an emotional leader, and that was KD Johnson. Late in that game, he was everywhere. He was on TV. He was in the cameras. He was almost in the stands eating people's popcorn. I mean, he was in people's pocket playing defense. Not the greatest stat line, one rebound, three assists, and eight points, but he was this emotional Leader and welcome back to college basketball. Aiden Holloway had some people pregame talking on a text thread. They were like, Look, if Holloway will just get going, we're going to be really good the rest of this season. And you saw the potential. His shot looked more comfortable. He looked like he was ready to play and starts knocking back threes. And when that happened, it's almost like dominoes started falling. I want to get to some more of that. When we come back, we'll take our first break here in hour number one. You can get in on this conversation too at 334-321-1390. More Auburn basketball, SEC basketball, college basketball. The sport continues to be one of the wildest seasons we've ever seen historically. All that coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leaders. We continue talking Auburn basketball as they went on the road and got a nice win against the Georgia Bulldogs. And Uncle Tebow, we're about to get to the phone lines in just a minute, but there are so many individual performances, I think, that you can highlight from this game. And, and the biggest one, you have to start with with the Spanish-speaking man himself, Mr. Chad Baker-Mazzara, who really showed his true potential on Saturday. 25 points, 8 of 12 from the floor, 2 of 3 from downtown, 7 of 7 from the free-throw line. Just just padded the stat sheet all over the place. Five rebounds, four assists, two steals, one block, zero turnovers. Thank you very much. In 27 minutes played, he was the one that made Auburn go. Yeah, no question about it. Playing with a heavy heart as well. I hope that everyone was able to see the post-game interview on the SEC Network with the guys from SEC Now and Chad Baker-Mazar. Dari Noka said it best. I mean, he was floored by that interview afterwards. Chad Baker-Mazar's high school coach recently passes away. Quotes from Mazar were like, it was a lot. He's been a guy that's been there for me ever since I stepped in Colonia, which is my high school. He's just always been there to support me. I mean, he was devastated. It had them in tears. Had them just in the SEC network in tears. Dari Noka was like, look, man, this is a perfect example of everything that we all do wrong 
and I'm as guilty of it as anybody. These are kids. These are human beings. I mean, they they have feelings too. I mean, they 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 feel it even more than we do when there's this huge disappointment and a loss, and we take it out on them in any sport and get on here and rant and rave. And and I can't remember which player it was that's now a broadcaster for SEC now immediately stepping into that conversation with Chad Baker Mazar and basically saying, hey, little brother, I got you. Yeah. Doesn't even know him personally. And I just thought it was just this emotional just statement at the end of the game. It was the essence of what a student athlete is and the struggles that they go through every day in the game of life and to show up and ball out like he did. I mean, he is quickly becoming an Auburn all-time fan favorite with stuff like this. Yeah, he is. And he look, he's my dad's favorite player. He's a lot of people's favorite players and one of the nicest guys you're ever going to talk to um, in the media and just in general. So yeah, heavy heart for him and, and man, what a performance it was with that on Saturday. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. It's been a minute. How are you? Guys, how's it going? Going all right, man. What's up? Fantastic. Got a question, got a comment. I got a question for T-Bone there. Um, the first comment, I'm hearing that Jalen Williams may be back quicker than people are thinking. Uh, possibly. Yeah, possibly. But I also don't think that uh, – I don't think there's any rush really now. Yeah. You still are competing for an SEC championship, and Wednesday night is a big, big game for that. Um but if it's me, if I'm Bruce Pearl, which I'm not, but if I were, I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't play him Wednesday because that's going to be a physical game. It's going to be a very emotional game, high intense game. And the SEC regular season, we've had this conversation, right? SEC regular season title doesn't mean as much to me with an outlook on the postseason. And so I'm not going to let Jalen try to get hurt in the Tennessee game if I can have him for the SEC and NCAA tournaments. No, it's going to quite honestly be the kind of game Wednesday night that could set his rehab back another three or four games. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe even the rest of the year to title. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you I, don't would, want I would worry about the rest of the year. You don't want anything to happen to him, and no one should go unless it's right there at the end in the final four and you're about on the verge of winning a national championship. No one should go right now for Auburn, who's clearly, clearly in the NCAA tournament, unless they are 100%. And speaking of which, Terry Jerry Palm dropped his bracketology over at CBSSports.com about four hours ago, and he has Auburn at a four. I think that is a very fair and reasonable place. And unless you can move up and move up quickly, don't play him. And, and Jacob, you and T-Bone were talking about Chad Baker, Mazzaro, I think he's quickly becoming that kind of player like like Harper was or some of those other guys who just they got to have. That guy says, okay, give, give me the ball and get, get out of the way. In 2019, Auburn, obviously, the two up front, the guards, Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, you know, they were the heart and soul of that team. But that team did not really start clicking until Chuma Okiki went over there and dropped a late three-pointer on Georgia from about the timeline and stepped up. And once he stepped up, that entire offense opened up. And I could foresee Auburn, that happening to Auburn in 2024 with somebody like Chad Baker-Mazar stepping up and all of a sudden he is a game-changing threat and must be accounted for, opens up the entire offense. Right. And Tim, I want to ask you a question because uh, yeah, you're and I are about the same age. I think I'm a little older than you. But you remember back in 88 when Eli Gold came on Alabama, how the Alabama fans were pitching a fit because they didn't want a guy from the Bronx in New York calling their games? I mean, I, John Forney. Now they're, now they're crying about him leaving. 
I, I, I seem to remember a little bit of that, yes. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's 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 just crazy to me. It's just they the ones that were pitching to fit the most. I'll I'll give my two cents on it. I think it it was a very weird ending. It wasn't a it wasn't a unexpected ending. I don't think, and I do think. I and Doug has said this on on the Max Roundtable. I think it was time. I really do. I think I think it had kind of passed him up. He had dealt with all the health issues, and and I think it may have been time for him to go. But the whole hey, you know, Eli Gold is is no longer here, and you know, wish him well in his retirement. And then he came out and was like, no, they forced me out. I didn't retire. That kind of whole thing was weird to me. Uh, Jacob, it ain't near as weird as gonna get. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's I mean, there's something to that too. Because uh, as soon as they go nine and three, Caleb DeBoer goes nine and three. They'll have Alabama fans having to be jumping off bridges. Look, Terry, I mean, this is a fact. And Doug's show is awesome, and it's really cool that he precedes us and he gives a lot of Auburn people a different viewpoint, not just from inside Auburn, like the drive and, and, and on the line is from over in the capital city in Montgomery, and there's a heavy Alabama influence. That's fine. Auburn folks need to kind of get outside the bubble. But the moment they lost that Texas game, there were people turning on Everybody, including the head man on that show and many others around the South and country. So you said it. They lose a couple. It's going to get real weird real quick. Thanks so much, Terry. We appreciate the call, man. We're up against the break. When we come back, we'll continue talking Auburn basketball. Take a look around the SEC and college basketball and tell you why not just a big double-digit win at Georgia was a big deal, but why Auburn winning on the road in general means so much more. That's all coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We're halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He is Uncle Tebow, and I'm Jacob Goins with you on this gorgeous, sunny Monday afternoon in the Auburn Opelika area. Phone lines continue to be open here in hour number one, 334-321-1390. Your thoughts, comments, or anything you want to mention uh, when it comes to Auburn basketball. We're going to start talking a little SEC basketball, college basketball, big results over the week. And Uncle T-Bone, big results in the win-loss column, big results in post-game, some questionable comments, all sorts of things going on around college basketball this weekend. And look, I think you have to start with the non-results biggest story. And what I mean by that is the Kyle Filipowski and Duke Wake Forest game. Hey, first of all, this was a fantastic game. This was a wonderful basketball game. We were watching it over in Athens uh, before the uh, Alabama and Kentucky game came on, which we're going to get to that. Don't you worry. We were watching it. This game, the entire way through for 40 minutes of college basketball, was a two-possession game from start to finish. Nobody ever got up by more than six points, which is really an- remarkable when you think about it with two high-level programs and two high-level teams at Wake Forest, as you saw, they're a good team. Oh, yeah. And they had a top-10 team on their home floor. It was, a, it was a ranked team on the road in conference play to an unranked team. And we know what has happened to those teams this year. They're losing at an all-time rate, Uncle Tebow. 
No question about it. Wake Forest goes to 18 and 9. Duke slips to 21 and 6, now ranked 10th. Just one spot ahead of your Auburn Tigers at 11 in the new AP poll that was released today. Wake Forest desperately needed that win. That might be definite enough to get them into the tournament. Uh, but the real story, unfortunately, is not the game itself. Uh, we'd love to go in and and talk about, you know, how Wake Forest took care of Duke and get down into the nuts and bolts about the stats and everything. The real story is Wake Forest fans rushing the court afterwards and Duke player Kyle Flipkowski getting caught in a barrage of people. I mean, it looked like a, a zombie apocalypse storming him from that movie uh, Z yeah. with Brad Pitt. I mean, it was yeah. incredible. And uh, he he's hurt his knee now. He he's he's hurt now. You watch the video, and as he's kind of getting pummeled with all these people running onto the court, he does throw a leg out. Some people were like, "Well, he's trying to trip that guy up," but not long after that, he gets pummeled. Either way, I mean, they're talking about on ESPN now. Should fans be banned from uh, storming the court? I already thought they were. You well, know? technically they are. Technically. Right. So how are you going to keep them off the court well, is here's my wh- question. Here's where it gets interesting. Okay. In the five other major conferences, out of the six major conferences you have in college basketball, all of them have rules in place where students and fans are not allowed to storm the court post-game or right. those schools get fined by their respective conferences. We've seen it numerous times in the SEC, the Big sure. Ten, everywhere, except one conference. The ACC does not currently have any rules or fines in place for this type of situation. I bet they will now because this is a much more serious situation. It's not just because it's Kyle Filipowski, who is one of the best players in college basketball. He's one of the best players on one of the best teams in college basketball. And some would like to argue, well, this is only getting blown out of the water because it's Duke. (laughs) Now, I will say there are some arguments to that and yeah if this had happened at santa clara it probably wouldn't be as big of a story but the fact of the matter is a college basketball player on an opposing team on the road after your team just got upset was not able to safely exit the floor and was injured for an extended amount of time had to get helped and carried off the floor because opposing fans, as you mentioned it, like a zombie apocalypse, just swarmed the floor in one of the fastest court stormings I've ever seen in it my life. It was ridiculous. It actually caught everybody off guard how quickly and how fast everyone was moving. It was like a riot. I, I think it's because of how Wake Forest's stands are set up. They have easier access to the floor. But the question that you posed just a second ago, how do you keep them off the floor? How do you do it? And look, I think court storming and field storming and all of those things, the traditions and all of that, that's what makes college basketball and college athletics so special. That's what separates it for now. That's what separates it from the NFL and the NBA and all that. No, they don't storm the floor in Miami when the Heat beat the Celtics or whatever. They don't do that. The, The Patriots fans don't jump on the field at Gillette when they take down the New York Giants. No, they don't do that. But that's the difference. That's what makes college athletics so great. And so I'm not saying to to take away court storming or field storming. And I think court storming is worse because 
it's much more it's much quicker it's a lesser space and they're all just packed in there like sardines and it just happens so much faster than a field storming and i'm not saying to take it away but some schools have already implemented this where they bring security out on the floor with rope to separate like the handshake line from the rest of the floor and then they allow the the opposing team to get off safely well that works when you can prepare for it and when you're ready for it but in a four-point game that was down to the last couple of seconds it doesn't matter how i don't care if you have 200 security guards you're not stopping 5,000 students from rushing the floor you're just not going to do it no the ropes wouldn't have helped a whole lot in this situation if you've seen the video if you have not please watch it and you will see what we're talking about how just so quickly the they got to mid court. I mean, he he'd taken like three steps and the entire court was swarmed. Right. And so I mean, should should teams when they're about to be beaten and and you can anticipate this, should they just go ahead and I don't know, let them go 10 seconds earlier and let them duck out and say peace, we're out of here. We don't want to get our players hurt. You know, I'm with you. I, I love a good sto- uh, court storming. Yeah. I love a good field storming. I love to see goalposts torn down occasionally. It gets me fired up. Tennessee fans throwing the goalposts in the river is one of the greatest things I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I life. mean, that was so awesome. It's awesome, but there's also it's also being overdone. And you know what? Ultimately, especially in basketball, you're right. It's a different situation than people storming the football fields. Fans should stay off the court. Players and coaches should stay out of the stands. You're right about that. And and we've seen that and, in the NBA quite yeah, a few times. And and fans should stay off the court. And coaches should keep their hands and paws off other teams' players too. Now, <clears throat> so you know that's where I am with that. This situation's terrible. Duke was one of those blue blood teams that I'm not going to say struggled earlier, but we're kind of still putting the pieces together a lot like Kentucky. And over the last month, you could just kind of feel those pieces beginning to fall into place. And this is one of those teams that with a championship pedigree, I was keeping my eye on in moving into March Madness in the field of 64. Like, yeah, those are the type teams that they're going to have it together come tournament time. And now they've lost their man. Yeah, they've lost him. And and we'll see. We'll see what happens. And it's unfortunate because it's a huge win for Wake Forest, like you said. And the biggest story coming out of it is, is should we ban court storming or not? And that's sort of where that stands. So I wanted to at least talk about that. But you start looking at... I mean, you can't put a cage around the court. Well, no. Like it's Thunderdome from Mad Max. You know? <laughs> or I mean, a cage gonna, fight on, on yeah, SmackDown. Yeah, we're going to yeah. put like a Con- Constantine wire all around the court. And, I love it. And, and just, I love it. If you get caught up in it, you're going to get machine gun for running onto <laughs> the court. I mean, and, and you say, so if, the, if a crowd is determined enough, you can't have enough security guards. And then what happens if there's a brawl? Yeah. I mean, these situations... Well, heck, we had a game the other night that had a brawl between two of the teams. It was in college basketball. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and fans ended up getting involved in that one. I believe that was UC... uh, Was that... No, it was Incarnate World versus like West Texas State or something. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember the team. And it was a good little Donnie Brook. And those things probably happen uh, at least once a year. I mean, we saw Alan Flanagan throw a punch in Ole Miss game this past weekend. Give me a break. Great transition, man. That was very that was very nice. Um, I mean, we're getting uh, we're getting closer and closer yeah. to the end of the season. Teams are getting desperate. Fans are getting emotional. Tensions are as high. Tensions as Tensions are been. getting high, man. 
winning championships and millions of dollars on the line. So, yeah, I mean, Wake Forest just had a massive release. A team like Duke has dominated the ACC for years, right? They're they're the 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 Alabama of football in basketball in the ACC, or one of them, along with North Carolina. And so, Wake Forest probably doesn't get the better the better half of Duke. You know, they, they, they normally get the uh, lesser end of the stick in that, in that matchup, and their fans lost it. And it's an unfortunate situation. I don't know what the answer is here. More security, people lose seats, start arresting people. Well, they've also, you know, they, like I was saying, they fine these schools. But, like, you know who doesn't care if their school gets a million-dollar fine? The student who camped out for two days and just watched his team upset a top-ten program and got to rush right. the floor. He does not care. Because he's also paying fifty thousand dollars in in tuition, so Good point. he's not really worried about that fine, whether they raise that or not. So, the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten or whatever that them finding Wake Forest doesn't really impact the students that ran the floor in the first place. I don't know. Um, I also want to you you said this as well. I also want to talk about before we get to the phone lines quickly. How about Alan Flanagan? What Good a night. what a, as we kind of get into SEC talks here for a second. How crazy was that? And I know it's Alan Flanagan, and we bring it up because of the Auburn ties. But I don't care. Take the name and the jersey and everything off of it, and just put it in black and white. That was nasty. I mean that that was that was dirty. Was ugly. Dirty is exactly right. I mean, just on if you haven't seen that video, go find it. It's on social media wherever you want to look. Just coming down the floor mid-play, looks up, and bam, just clocked him with an elbow straight to the chin. And, and he got ejected. He got thrown out of the game because of it. Yeah, it was more than just a cross-body check. I mean, it involved one across the face. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, I'll tip my hat to the player that took that shot and all the other players that held him back and, you know, told him, don't, you know, stoop to that level. We got a game to win. And good for South Carolina for going over there and taking care of business. They needed a win. They were kind of reeling. And Ole Miss, I don't see it. Jerry Palm still has them as one of the final four in. I think Ole Miss is Toaster Strudel. And Alan Flanagan uh, got frustrated from that intense defense that he could, that South Carolina had on him, especially in the second half of that game. And he just lost his cool and throws a punch. I don't think I don't know right now. The SEC, I have not seen it, has has issued any kind of extra punishment like they did with Mohamed Wagu from Alabama this past week in the elbow that he threw in the Florida game. I do know that part of the punishment was Flanagan was ejected. But if I'm SEC commissioner and I look at that video, buddy, you're out another game. That's not even a question about it. And then I'm going to have a talk with your AD, and if it happens again, you're not going to play the rest of the year. Hmm. We'll see what happens there. 334-321-1390. John and Auburn, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle T-Bone. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Uncle T-Bone. Uh, Uncle T-Bone, and had a, had, there's a solution that Jay Billis put out today for court storming. All right, lay it on us. I don't know if you saw this. He said, uh, you know, once everybody storms the court, then you have security and uniformed police officers around everybody and trespass them. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, that. how many cops and how many security folks are you going to have to get to have – I mean, how many people can fit on a court, you think? I mean – 3,000? I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, a few thousand, I would think. But but, but that, was, that was his solution. It's an interesting take. Yeah, it is interesting. And, uh, yeah, I just – 
Yeah, you, I don't. You're almost. I don't know. It, it seems like you're just. You're taking the fun out of it, but you can't have fun if there's not safety. I 100% understand that and get that. And when you've got guys getting hurt, and and who knows if it was intentional or not, you can everybody's up to their own opinion on that. But man, we're gonna talk about caging, like we were talking about caging these people in no. and and escorting them out and giving them yeah trespassing charge. I mean, look, it would probably solve it, John. There's no doubt about it. It would probably solve it. I mean, it, the but- first step I think you got to do thinking this over just off the top of my head is how the NFL has stopped showing streakers when they run out there like the one in the Super Bowl from the TV broadcast. And they'll say, okay, right. you know, you can tell when that happens and they don't even talk about it hardly in the broadcast. So as not to encourage other people to do that in the future. So maybe it's incumbent on the media to stop showing these uh, court stormings and uh, almost take it out of the vernacular of uh, of your thoughts that it's even a possibility. Hmm. Agreed, agreed. One last thought on Auburn basketball. I think, and I think it started the year before the Final Four run, I thought Auburn has played better when they're a little edgier, when they are, you know, talking smack out there. And I think you saw a good return to that against Georgia. Uh, in the second half, Katie Johnson and Baker Mazar and Broom. I mean, that, that, that turns quite chippy. And I, I just feel like Auburn mm-hmm. plays better with that kind of edge the past five, six years. I think there's I think there's an argument to that. And look, there were a couple of technical fouls called on Saturday against Auburn. A couple of double technicals between Auburn and Georgia. And look, I'll tell you what, as I said, we were sitting down there by the Auburn bench and uh Chad Baker Mazzara was he was talking the talk, but he also walked the walk and had every room to say the things he said and and I don't know exactly what he said, but he was very vocal when he was on the floor. He was jawing back at the Auburn bench, you know, when he'd hit a shot, he's saying, I'm that man, I'm that dude. And uh he was on Saturday and maybe that's what it takes is for Auburn to have a little alpha dog in them and go in and let, remind people who they are. I mean, we don't, and, and I know you passed the break, we wouldn't have the Final Four run, was it not for the New Mexico State game? You're absolutely and if right. I remember, the, the, the kid goes to the free throw line to shoot three, and Javon McCormick gives him the choke side. Yeah, yeah, he did. He gave, he gave him the choke side walking back on the way to half court. You're absolutely right. Anyway, thank you, guys. Yep, thanks, John. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I'll tell you, and I've said this in the past, I don't really care what sport it is that Auburn's participating in, if it's women's softball or Auburn football, Auburn's not a blue blood. And when Auburn plays with a blue-collar type mentality, although I don't think the city of Auburn's more or less a blue-collar type town, but the university or the university, but when Auburn athletics plays with that chip on its shoulder and it's blue-collar, they're a tough out in any sport. And that's what it takes to get over the hump. you got to be tough. And when Auburn was tough Saturday night, and they let everybody know they were tough. And they showed it. And I think, as I said right there, I think they played with that alpha mentality. And I think there's a reason for that. And I think it comes down to personnel. And I think it comes down to who played on the floor on Saturday. Here we go. 334-321-1390. We'll have our final break and final segment of hour number one coming up. Come on in, be a part of it here on the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
Wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We continue talking SEC basketball, college basketball. Got a couple of minutes here uh, before we get out of this first hour. Reminder, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will be with us coming up in hour number two. That'll be at uh, 3.30, so we'll get updated on everything going on around Auburn Athletics coming up in hour number two. More basketball talk, Auburn basketball talk. Got to get into baseball a little bit. We will with him as well coming up in the second hour. And, yeah, we were talking about all the the games and the results and everything from over the weekend. And I said we only have a few minutes left, T-Bone. But uh, I think the the biggest result, especially in the SEC, how about the Cats Goodness of Kentucky gracious. and the Alabama Crimson Tide scoring some of the most points you're ever going to see in a college basketball yeah. game, 117 to 95. I was talking to my dad, man, that's an old school NBA score, man. That's a 2005-2010 NBA type of score. Yeah, the Cats just whipping up on Alabama, and now the SEC standings in, in basketball have just gotten all convoluted at the top to say the least Tennessee and Alabama tied at the top one game behind uh being South Carolina and Auburn and look at Florida moving up along with Kentucky at five and six in the league hanging around I mean there was an article out today that showed there was a possibility of a six-way regular season tie stop I mean, you know, likelihood of happening, not very good. But still, that's incredible. I, you know, Kentucky's one of those teams that, you know, they're gonna, you know they're going to have more talent than God. And John Calipari is going to roll up into big-time situations with the spotlight on him. And I almost feel like his team takes on his personality when the bigger the moment, the more bombastic he's going to be, the more expensive his suit's going to be, the more expensive the Rolex is going to be, the more he's going to look like the Don, the more he's going to look like John Gotti Calipari, the more he's going to peacock around on the sidelines and the better his team's going to play. And then in the midweek stuff, when they play against somebody and it's not that important, they just kind of go through the motions. So that's a team to keep an eye out for in the in the big time in March Madness. But I was stunned by that score. I mean, they physically dominated Alabama. And, uh, you know, against bigger teams, against more physical and meaner teams, Alabama puts up some points, but they give up a ton. Kentucky scored a ton. It was the three-point line that was the difference in that basketball game. 13 made threes for Kentucky, six for Alabama. That's the difference right there. We'll talk a whole lot more about that game, the SEC college basketball, Auburn basketball, and much more coming up in hour number two here on the Monday edition of On the Line. It's coming up. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we are underway here in hour number two. This is the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Uncle T-Bone with me on ESPN 106.7. Hour number one is officially in the books flew by man we talked about a lot but we got a lot more to get to if you missed any of that first hour we began talking about Auburn basketball their big win over Georgia got into some SEC and college basketball more storylines than anything Uh, we'll do a lot more results things here in hour number two but you can find that first hour of the show anywhere you get your podcast just search on the line or you can go to our station website which is what we recommend espnau.com coming up here in hour number two we will have more college basketball talk we'll get some college baseball talk in there as well and then jacob hillman of the auburn sports network will be with us joining us at 3 30 to update us on everything going on around Auburn Athletics. Until then, though, phone lines are open. You can get in with us at 334-321-1390, and we'll begin hour number two by going to the phone lines. You're on the line. Who are we speaking with? Hey, Spectre. Hey, Spectre. What's up, man? Hey, uh, looks like uh, <clears throat> I finally got, I got my dream team in there on the four-minute mark of the game. Yeah? So, so uh, it looked pretty good to me until Room got into a little foul trouble and had to Take, take him out. Yeah, there were some interesting calls. I know it was a physical game. I know that there were a couple of double technicals that probably needed to be called to settle everybody down. But there were also some ticky-tack fall, uh, calls on both sides of the court that I didn't understand. Real quick, Spectre, uh, remind everybody of your Auburn dream team. Well, it, it was Rock. Well, you're going to have to help me out with the names now. Okay. It's uh, Broom yes. and uh, Caldwell. Yes, uh, I'm just gonna call him Baker because he got he's Baker got Mazzara, got yeah, it. Chad Baker Mazzara, uh huh. Baker Baker Jones and is he Jones. is either Mag, uh, either uh, the two freshman guards? What's his name? McDonald? Uh, Aiden. Aiden. Aiden, uh, Aiden Holloway. Or, or yeah, Holloway. Yeah. yeah, either one of those two would be been fine. But uh, it looks like Holloway came out of his slump. Yeah, so, uh, you know what was really cool about that? Chad Baker Mazar had a uh, a very emotional day, you know, with the passing of his high school coach, who was uh, a a serious benefactor to him in the game of life. And uh, there were a lot of quotes from him after the game. And not he didn't just dwell on his situation. He started talking about his teammates and how. Aiden Holloway is still his guy, and he doesn't care if he's 0 for 15. He's going to keep encouraging him. And he was talking about how he's encouraging Chaney Johnson. Man, this guy's really stepping up to be a leader. Yeah. You know, there's one thing about Auburn this year. Either they're going to lose big or they're going to win big. Yeah. Have we had any, have we had any nail biters this year, guys? Uh, I mean, the Baylor. Alabama game in the second half, the Mississippi State game kind of, and Baylor, yeah. Happy State was kind of a nail biter, although we played so bad. Well, I don't know what to expect in this next game with Tennessee. At, mm. uh, gee, I mean, it's, it's up and down. I don't, right now, we're scheduled to go down again, but I'm look, hoping we'll go. Look, we'll Specter, go up. yeah, Tennessee's ranked number uh, is it five now? In the, the newest AP, AP poll four? came out today. Yeah, I mean, they're they're a heck of a good team on a four game winning streak. They're hot. They're trying to make a a serious push in play to become the uh, uh, regular season SEC champions. That's going to be a war. 
you know, win, lose, or draw, what I'm looking for, what I'm looking for is championship mentality. That doesn't always mean you win the basketball game. I'm right. The refuse to lose, you still can get beat, but you're not a loser. You know what I'm saying, Specter? Exactly right. You know, it's it's not impossible to beat Tennessee on their home court. South Carolina did it. Look what kind of team South Carolina ended up being when they came to Auburn when we played them. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, they're beatable. They I are. Think we can do it. I, I think and, Auburn uh, can. I, I think they can. And you know, they're they're going to have to. To, they're going to have to figure it out again on the road because I I don't know the full status of Jalen Williams and we talked about in the first hour I don't think he should play I don't think that's the smart move and and Auburn proved that they can win without him but it's going to be a much tougher test come Wednesday. Yeah, you're right. I think I would stick with that three guards series though because yeah. we were moving we were moving up and down the court pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. All right. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks so much, Spectre. 334-321-1390. I want to get into that and dive into this game a little bit deeper because Auburn wins 97-76 on the road at Georgia on Saturday. And look, Auburn in the first half just kind of held Georgia out, right? Kind of like a big brother does mm-hmm. to the to the little cousin or whatever and just holding them out at arm's length. Georgia was fighting. They were hanging around and Auburn had a an 11-point lead at the half and you're feeling pretty pretty good about that I think I think you're feeling pretty good about your lead at the half and then you know you come out in the second half and you're playing pretty well and then Georgia all of a sudden finds a little life they find a little life Katie Johnson missed a couple of shots in front of that student section and and look we know that he's always going to hear it when he goes back to Athens and he tends to play a little psychotic if you will a little crazy sometimes when he gets in that environment because he just feeds off of it so much and and we know the Katie Johnson of old where sometimes he struggles to reel it in and they started to feed off of that a little bit and Georgia started getting a couple of stops Auburn got in some serious foul trouble oh yeah that ended up not being all that bad but 15 minutes to go in the second half we're thinking Holy smokes. Deny Brooms got three. Oh, Chad yeah. Baker Mazzara's got three. Dylan Cardwell's got three. I mean, there were a lot of bad foul problems in that game, and I really thought they were going to come back to bite Auburn. Turns out it didn't. But Georgia closes the gap. They're within three. That crowd was loud, man. I'm telling you what, Auburn fans were there, but they weren't making a lot of noise in that run. Auburn calls timeout. Auburn regroups, regathers. And they come out and put it on Georgia after that. That was very, very promising to me, Uncle T-Bone. That whole stretch where Auburn played a close game in the second half, but then pulled away to win by double digits. Yeah, you mentioned the fouls. That it was a little nerve-wracking. Type. Some of those were just brutal. I mean, just well. What I noticed was a couple of them were, were not. You know, four to five of them, a handful of them were just outrageous. And then uh, we didn't quite get the benefit of the doubt going back down the court. And then all of a sudden we did, and they made some ridiculous call on Georgia almost as a makeup. I, I, I didn't understand the refereeing in the second half of that basketball game, but it is what it is, right? But Tigers had 22 fouls to Georgia's 15. Auburn's going to need to be careful in these games where Jalen Williams isn't in the lineup at all and not available because 
that will come back to bite you. I'll tell you another thing that I noticed that was a little negative, although Chad Baker-Mazar shot his free throws very well. Tigers only shoot 11 of 16 from the free throw line. That's uh, 68, 69%, somewhere right in there. And the dog shot 25 of 31, which goes to show you a differential of 1 to 2 or 2 to 1, however you want to put it. Dogs on the free throw line that much more than Auburn, which is a little ridiculous. But Auburn has got to knock down free throws, especially on the road, especially in neutral site games moving forward. That is so critical and key. It's called a free throw. It is free points. Yeah. Knock them back. If Auburn, I mean, just think what the score is. When Georgia makes that big run to pull into three, if Auburn been knocking back all its free throws in, it had only been seven or eight. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not as critical, you know, when these teams get on runs if you're knocking back your free throws. Well, look at it this way. I mean, Auburn was 11 of 16 at the free throw line. You missed five of them. Jani Broom is three of your five. He yeah. was one of four. And you look, remember – Last couple of games, he's been struggling at the free throw line, my friend. I think it's gotten into his head just a little bit. And that's what most of the free throw line struggles come from when somebody is not hitting their free throws is it's a mental thing because it is free, right? There's nobody guarding you. You're just standing up there. A lot of times there's a lot of pressure, a lot of things on the line with the game, right? Sure. It's uh, it, The free throws, it's like putting. It's mental. It's 95% mental. These guys can shoot. They're playing college basketball. They've only shot probably 5 million free throws in their life. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And you got to remember a month ago, Jani Broom and Dylan Cardwell were the two best free no throw shooters on the it. team. No question about so, it. So I think it's going to be okay. I think Jani's just got to kind of get out of the funk a little bit from the charity stripe, but he still had a great game. A walking oh, double gosh, double yeah. once again, 16 points, 13 rebounds. Him and Chad Baker Mazzara made some second and third effort plays that yeah. gave Auburn some buckets yeah. in that second half, something they had not done as of late. So that was really exciting to see. And, and yeah, man, Chad Baker Mazzara played his best game maybe of his college career, 25 points, 8 of 12 from the floor. He was the go-to guy. Alpha Dog said, give me the ball and get out of the way. And Auburn has not had that this year. And again, I think there's some circumstances that allowed him to do that on Saturday. And I think Auburn's going to have a few more of those circumstances over the next few games. And I hope he continues this line of play because if Chad Baker Mazzara is dropping 25 points and Chaney Johnson's dropping 16 points you gotta start him. and Aiden Holloway's dropping 15 points, let me tell you, this is a dangerous Auburn team. Yeah. If, if, if. Yeah, a lot of ifs in there, but uh, if is a potential, no doubt about it. Tigers go 14 to 26 from the three-point line. Aiden Holloway having several of those. His shot just looked a little bit different. And you can tell when he shoots the ball almost when it's going in and when it's not. And when he has a little bit more of an upward arc in release, that shot just delicately hits right in the back of the net and softly goes in and softly goes down three points. When he shoots at a little bit lower trajectory, oftentimes when someone's altered his shot, it's not near as effective. Uh, so good to see. That's a confidence builder for him and just at the right time for the Tigers. Look, going back to Joe Nybroom in the free throw shooting, uh, if anybody's going to be getting fouled more than anybody else for Auburn in the next month as we move into tournament time, it's going to be Jani Broom. You better believe it. So he it. better get that straightened out on those free throws because if he can knock back free throws, Auburn's going to win. Uh, if he's missing free throws, it could cost Auburn a tournament game. Yeah, uh, another big, another big storyline that I think needs to be highlighted 
is something that my dad and I and our friends were talking about on the way back yesterday. Chris Moore didn't start, and Chris Moore played three minutes of this basketball game. And look, this has nothing to do with Chris Moore as a person outside of the basketball floor and outside the gym. But this has been a growing want, I think, from Auburn fans of, look, Chris Moore, he's got seniority. He's been there a while. He's got your leadership capacity, capabilities, whatever word you want to use right there. But the question has become, does he make Auburn better when he's on the floor? And I don't think the answer is yes. I don't think he does. And now this was just one game. And I think this gave Auburn with Jalen Williams being out. I said this on Friday. This was a game that Auburn had an opportunity to change some things up, to switch things around, and try it out. You normally don't get those opportunities in late February, Uncle T-Bone. That is not normal in college basketball. But with Jalen Williams, when a significant piece is removed, unfortunately due to injury, and I never wish that upon anybody, Uh this was a unique chance for Auburn and Bruce Pearl to change things up. And I think they did it, and they did it extremely well. And you look at the minutes numbers and me watching the game on Saturday from the floor right there by the Auburn bench, man, there was always somebody up and rotating, running up to the scorer's table, constant rotations all night long, And I liked the ones that they had. And Auburn's starting five, I think, was solid. I think it's really good. That's the starting five we had, I think, initially thought it was going to be with Aiden Holloway, your five-star McDonald's All-American freshman. Denver Jones, your 18 points a game score coming in through the transfer portal. Chaney Johnson and Chad Baker-Mazar, your two just go-get-a-bucket guys. And Janai Broom as your center. I think that is a legitimate starting five with Trey Donaldson, Dylan Cardwell, and KD Johnson coming off the bench. Outside of Jalen Williams, of course, with those five guys being in the starting lineup. So you had the chance to do that, and it worked. It worked, and it was really fun to see. Well, a lot to digest right there, but you're right. Let's start it out with Chaney Johnson and his performance. uh, Having 16 points on the road. Four rebounds, one assist. He also was a player that just kind of seemed like he was all over the court like Katie Johnson was in that basketball game against Georgia. Chaney Johnson is progressing beautifully this season. Very much so. And and it's not just his play, it, the mentality, the confidence you can see him playing in, the physicality too. I mean, it's like he's like one of the few players that continues to get buffer and buffer as the season goes on. He made some tough shots on Saturday. He, he, is, a, he is a tough player. And I like him. He he goes about his business. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to take any shots at Katie Johnson. The guy they're not going to change, right? Dylan Cardwell is going to flex, and so is Katie Johnson's going to mess with people in the crowd. Sometimes I'm yelling at the TV to get back and play defense. But Katie Johnson's one of those players who, I mean, he just kind of goes about his business and acts like he's been there. And he can be a rebounding force in mismatch, just like Jalen Williams, mm-hmm. but perhaps a little bit more physical moving forward. Silver linings is what you're talking about, though, with Jalen Williams. No teams really get an opportunity like Auburn has been handed to experiment this late in the season with lineups. And we've talked about different rotations. We've talked about different personnel. Good call from Spectre earlier. He's been talking about it for weeks now with his ideal lineup, a.k.a. his dream team for Auburn out of the current roster. 
And uh, I saw something I've been calling for for quite some time, too. Coach Pearl works it in there. Broom and Cardwell on the on the floor at the same time. Yep. That is a lot of beef out there for anybody to have to handle. You play, say, in this bracketology, Jerry Palm has Auburn at a four right now at cbssports.com, and they open up against a McNeese State, and you throw those two out there against a McNeese State. They can't hang with and that. And then start rotating Chaney Johnson and a healthy Jalen Williams in, right? And then Katie and then Katie Johnson comes in and is your badger and harasses somebody. In the meantime, the rest of the team's just playing its normal basketball. They're going to the second game. Right. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Well, especially when you've got the new three-point threat of Dylan Cardwell, who who can splash him <laughs> home from deep now, our boy Dylan Cardwell. That was a lot of fun. And it's our nice, Tiger takes guests. It's nice to see an Auburn team beating the you-know-what out of somebody so bad that he can just tuck up threes <laughs> and Bruce Pearl not at being over there and you talk doing about, anything but smiling. You talk about getting back on defense. Did you see Dylan after he made that shot? He ran back on defense with the follow-through still yeah. in the air. He, was, he got down in a defensive stand holding the follow-through man he's so wild but he's so fun and that's what Auburn needs a little bit of too is guys having a little bit of fun but you know what's fun Uncle T-Bone you know what's fun in sports winning that's right winning is fun and that's what Auburn did on Saturday 97-76 final score over the Georgia Bulldogs we want to get your thoughts on this 334-321-1390 got another segment coming up before Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us we'll talk more basketball baseball as well when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line you are on the line on ESPN 1067 Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on ESPN 106.7. Another segment before we get to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday on the show. We'll get updated on everything going on and going around Auburn Athletics as well. Wanted to talk just really quickly here. A couple of uh, Tigers in the NBA, Tigers in the pros, if you will, when it comes to Auburn basketball. As of uh, a couple of hours ago, um, per Mike Scotto, former Auburn Tiger Sharif Cooper has been signed to a 10-day contract by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Good for him. So, that's awesome. I mean, it's a guy that's been playing in the G League for a few years now. He's been balling out everywhere he's been in that, in that level of basketball. Somebody that in my opinion, I think should have stayed another year. I think he got bad info. I'm just going to be straight up with you. I mean, he got the shaft from the NCAA to begin with. You're right about that. You are absolutely right about that. Played all of, what, 12 games while he was at Auburn and then got bad info to go to the NBA draft and and just fell like a rock. Would have loved to have seen him another year at Auburn. And I think he would have dominated another year at Auburn. So he just signed a 10-day contract with the Cavaliers. Also, we've got some numbers here. You remember Jabari Smith, who's been playing with the Houston Rockets. He is the first player in in or excuse me, he is the youngest player in NBA history, okay? The youngest player in NBA history to record 1500 points, 1000 rebounds, 200 made threes, and 100 blocks. He doesn't turn 21 until May. That's incredible. That kid and Walker Kessler at Auburn at the same time, it still haunts me to this day, Jacob. What the, the flashbacks of that two in barbecue second round loss to Miami with such an amazing amount of talent, it's hard to believe they couldn't get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. But that's basketball, folks, and that Miami team was on a heater. 
334-321-1390. Mark, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle T-Bone. What's up, man? Hey, I was just going to tell you about Jabari. Um, I think, didn't he put up like 20 points and 16 rebounds yesterday? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, something along those lines. I'll get the exact stat line pulled up here really quickly. But, man, he is quietly becoming yep. a, uh, a an assassin when it comes to the NBA right now. Yeah, and Kessler had a uh, – he's coming off the bench now, but he had a good game against uh, – I don't even want to pronounce the guy's name, the San Antonio rookie. Oh, yeah, uh, Victor Wimanyama, yeah. Yeah, I think in just a few minutes he had, had like 10 and 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen – Out of about 17, 18 minutes. Yeah, yeah, here's Jabari's stat line yesterday in a loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who is a really good team, by the way. 41 minutes for Jabari – 20 points, 4 of 9 from downtown, and had 17 rebounds. Goodness gracious. That ain't too bad. He's a beast. Uh, What was was, uh, Deny Broom free throw shooting Saturday night? He was 1 of 4 on Saturday, Janai Broom was, against Georgia. Yeah. What I was going to say is, you know, things typically come back to the averages. And, you know, when he was hitting eight out of ten, you can't expect that. I think he's won about a 65, 70, 65, 68% free throw shooter. So that's basically what you're going to get over a, over a period of a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not going to expect one out of four, one out of five, but you can't, you're not going to get three out of four or four out of five very often either well jacob said it earlier jacob said it earlier mark and i i totally agree with him it's like putting right and so you 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 start out a golf round and and you're having a good day and as the round goes on you get more and more worn down and sun comes out you get hotter maybe a couple cold snacks kick in and you're not quite as sharp this is a long basketball season at this point, this Auburn team is still pretty tired. And that's when you just got to mentally man up and say this thing's going down. So I think as we move into tournament time, they'll buckle down on how, the importance of free throws. And uh, you'll see it, and you'll see Janai Broom step back up to where he was earlier in the season. Yeah, I, but again, at the same time, I get what you're saying, but you're not going to get an 80% free throw shooter out of him. I mean, it, it's just like Shaq is – some players are going. You're just going to. Well, he's a little better than Shaq. <laughs> well, I'm a little bit better. Than yeah, no doubt. But, I, uh, I'm with you on that, you Mark. Know, I mean, it's going to balance itself back out, and he's averaging about sixty yeah. percent from the line right now. Yeah, and that's probably what you're going to get by the time of the year. I don't know what he is for the year right now. I mean, over a career, I think he is about sixty to sixty-five, something like that. I think it sits anyway, at sixty right now. Day. Yep. Thanks so much, Mark. We appreciate the call. Always great to hear from him. He's sitting at about sixty percent right now. And look, I look at it this way: with Janai Broom or Dylan Cardwell or combined, if those two guys in an NCAA tournament game go sixty percent from the line, what else could you ask for? What else do you want? I mean, you could ask for seventy, sure, but. I kind of I've talked about this on the show before. I stack it up this way: if I'm a head basketball coach, college or NBA, high school, I don't care if we're we're talking about the upward league at the local church. My guards, you better not shoot less than eighty percent from the free throw line. If you shoot less than eighty percent as a guard, we've got a problem. You really should be eighty-five, but I'll I'll allow eighty. If you're a forward, I'm talking three and four. You should be above 70%. You, I'd like you to be around 
And if you're a center, if you're a true center, like a Janai or Dylan, which Janai's a four. Technically, he's a four that plays a five. And you better be above 60. And I'd like you to be around 65. So with Janai and Dylan, I think they maybe exceeded expectations a little bit. And if you're getting six out of 10 every time they step up there, I'm fine with that. That's good enough for me. I mean, if they can if they can just get a couple more, man, you can just about lock down some basketball games and big time tournament play. Yeah, definitely can't backslide from that sixty. Though. Correct, correct. And, and that's what we're talking about. You know, you don't want to see that trend. He, they were on fire shooting these free throws earlier in the season. We even had almost a whole segment one time about how much better Auburn shoots free throws than they did the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we start seeing that trend the other way, and we're like, hold on now. Let's not backslide all the way. Yeah, wrong time to get cold at the charity stripe. So we'll see what happens with Auburn at the free throw line. But coming up, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, maybe the better of the two Jacobs. He'll be joining us when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Uncle T-Bone. And with us on the phone lines, as he is every Monday at 3.30, it's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network with us as we are talking all things Auburn Athletics. Hillman, happy Monday, man. Hope you're doing all right after a long weekend of broadcasting for you, sir. Well, yeah, it, it, it's been a long weekend, but it, it's been a pretty solid weekend as as it relates to the world of Auburn athletics, so uh, hard to complain at this point. Well, let's start with the games that you were at. You were on the call for over at J.B. Moore Field as Auburn softball had another busy weekend. Give everybody an update on what's going on with the uh, Lady Tigers. Yeah, so obviously it was a 3-1 weekend with uh, another weekend of scheduled changes. Uh, unfortunately, Longwood had to withdraw from the tournament Friday afternoon due to unforeseen circumstances. So instead of playing two games each day, Auburn played one game and on Friday and Sunday with two games and a doubleheader on Saturday. But overall, a pretty successful weekend against two teams that won their conference championships last year uh, with you and I winning back-to-back uh, last year and in 2022. And uh, Auburn split those games against you and I and took down – uh, Southeast Missouri in run rule fashion in both games. Uh, I think obviously the, the notable thing to take away from the weekend was Maddie Pence's fifth career no hitter that she threw yesterday in in a response to that loss to the Panthers on Saturday. And and really in that game she was she was fine herself. It was uh, three errors in the fourth inning in that first game against you and I that that really cost the Tigers. And then I mean Maddie was phenomenal in that one. She she struck out ten batters and only allowed one earned run. And then in the second game on Sunday against them, obviously the no-hitter, she struck out another 11 batters and was was doing Maddie Pence's things. And I, I think if you look throughout the weekend, you can see the sparks offensively that that are really starting to come together. And I think this upcoming week, especially the midweek at UAB, will be key for the offense to really get going and, and, and find some consistency because that wasn't the case in the Northern Iowa games. It, it looked good against SEMO, which just, just – couldn't find itself against the Panthers. 
And then as we continue on through all the different Auburn athletics events throughout this past weekend and since the last time we talked to you on Monday, uh, Auburn baseball went down to Jacksonville. And man, after they got through Friday's disaster of a weather delay, everything was typically okay. Games got moved around a little bit, but uh, another big weekend for Auburn baseball with two and one. But man, that uh, I feel like those Friday, that Friday rain delay of over four hours for the broadcast and for the game starting man that just that just throws the whole weekend off a little bit uh, i mean honestly i enjoyed the uh, auburn after dark <laughs> we got that yeah. night i mean it ended up being a great game and i thought it really showed where this team was at uh, facing the number 18 team in the country uh, in, in iowa and then obviously you follow it up against wichita state scoring 19 runs and wichita state beat number 10 virginia the day before so uh, they were riding a high and auburn obviously jumped right on top of them, grand slam from Cooper McMurray in the first inning of that game. Uh, And then you play what I feel like was basically a postseason game against number 10 Virginia where it was back and forth, a run here, a run there. Both teams were doing it back and forth. And and finally the Cavaliers obviously uh, pulled ahead and Auburn wasn't able to respond in the later innings uh, like they wanted to. But – it was still just a play, it was like a playoff uh, a postseason game it was like a regional game to go to a super regional or a super regional game to go to uh, Omaha so I was really impressed with 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 this baseball team this week and the way they responded to the adversity whether it was the weather delay Friday night or or the way they responded whenever Virginia was throwing the first punches uh, on Sunday so I, I think that this team has it has ways to go but they're there are so many positives that uh, it's easy to, to kind of pick out what needs to improve and, and, and go from there. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. Uh, talking with Jacob Hillman, Auburn Sports Network, those type of games obviously pay dividends down the line in atmosphere, experience, win, lose, or draw. Jacob, being back on the plains today is a beautiful spring day. I guess the groundhog – was correct for an early spring this year. Am I reading this right on this beautiful day and beautiful day tomorrow that we've got spring football practice starting tomorrow? Yeah, man. That, that, it, it, it's one of those times of year where, you know, you're, you're locked into men's basketball, you're locked into baseball, softball, women's basketball, whatever it is, but then, boom, you've got Auburn football as well getting started up. You're going to start hearing everything out of spring practice, but you're right. That, that We're getting that underway this week, so looking forward to hearing what Coach Freeze and, and that program uh, – uh, we start to hear from that because I think as we get into 8A and, and in the summer, we're, we're going to start to see the different changes and, and whether it's the depth chart or, or whatnot. I, you know, one thing I want to focus on is the, the defensive backs this year. We talked about that last year, obviously, is the most experienced room on the football team. And then this year it's going to be kind of the opposite because your, your main returnee is going to be Keontae Scott. He's going to play a little bit of nickel in quarterback. Uh, so I'm excited to see what – we hear from that room, and that's also going to relate to the other side of the ball uh, where wide receivers, you're going to have the young guys coming in. And uh, I'm excited to see uh, uh, kind of what we get out of A-Day in the next month from those guys. 
Yeah, spring practice scheduled to uh, begin tomorrow for Auburn football over on on the plains at the football complex. Hugh Freeze was scheduled to speak with the media tomorrow. That has since been moved to Thursday. Uh, so we'll see what he has to say. And you mentioned it there, Hillman. All the changes that are happening, mostly really with the with the coaching staff. I mean, a lot of new faces on the sidelines and in the building. I mean, something that's going to take a little bit of time and and something that Auburn the the players are going to have to get used to and the fans will eventually get used to as well yeah and and I think it's one of those things where it's a good thing you've kept some of the assistant coaches that 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 were there last year There, there is still some continuity but I also think that these new coordinators that you brought in obviously Derek Nix Charles Kelly and DJ Durkin they they all have great experience they they especially in different ways that that's what I've noticed is that obviously you have the elite recruiters and and Derek Nix and Charles Kelly, DJ Durkin's been at several SEC uh, jobs, and and so so have Nix and 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 uh, Kelly. But I, I really think that there is a very intentional purpose to what these guys are doing. Nix coaching the running backs, Durkin with the linebackers, and Kelly with the safeties. Whereas you have you still have the continuity of Wesley McGriff as the cornerbacks coach, Marcus Davis uh, coaching the wide receivers, and obviously some other coaches. So. I think that Coach Freeze is starting to fill in uh, where, where uh, the roles that he wants, exactly how he wants, and and we'll see how that really progresses in spring practice this year. And and Coach Freeze will talk about that on Thursday. And especially, I think after spring practice is over, there will probably be he'll probably say uh, he'll probably have a different perspective on it. And, and then obviously, once you get into summer, you're going to want to start to get all those things finalized once you get into fall camp. Our usual Monday guest at 3.30s here on ESPN 106.7, Jacob Hillman with the Auburn Sports Network with us on the phone lines. We continue working through all of the events going on around Auburn Athletics, working our way towards men's basketball. But women's basketball and gymnastics had some events over the weekend with gymnastics having senior night on Friday night. Yeah, no, that was a really, really good win for Auburn Gymnastics and a good score for the Tigers, obviously. Uh, early in the meet, not 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 the best start on vault, and that's been somewhat of a uh, consistent trend for the Tigers this year. But it's gotten better over time, and it's something that uh, I think Coach Graba and this team is really focused on, especially as you finish the season on the road uh, at several meets. But no, I think it was a really it was a really great meet for Auburn to to finish strong and and honor those seniors. Obviously, Kathy Stevens got a career high on floor at nine nine five, and her it was her final event at Neville Arena. And, and it, it was an electric environment. So it, it was great for her and the rest of the seniors to get onto the way they did and get a win uh, on their final meet in Neville Arena. And, and you mentioned women's basketball, sitting right there on the bubble and, and getting the, the wins that they need to. Obviously, uh, you go on the road last Thursday and almost take down the defending champs in a season. It would have been a season sweep of the defending national champions, LSU. You fall just short, but it was still a good showing. And, and you see the bracketologists still have Auburn right there on the uh, on the inside of the bubble. So it's a big win over Texas A&M, 57-41. That was, a, that was a typical Auburn women's basketball game right there, just hard-nosed defense, and that's what Coach Jay loves. But uh, I think most importantly, Auburn sets its single-season uh, attendance record, 3,760 in attendance uh, yesterday at Neville Arena, and that, that set the mark for the season single-season attendance record uh, at Neville Arena. So it's really cool that uh, Coach Jay has gotten this many fans to buy in and, and support these ladies. 
Jacob, uh, it was evident to me early in the game over in Athens and men's basketball that although the bye week may not have come at the best time, it came at a good time for Auburn. The Tigers were gritty. They were physical. They looked like they had fresh legs. We saw a lot of different rotations and personnel playing together we haven't seen quite this year. With Jalen Williams being out, where do the Tigers go when he comes back? Are we going to continue to see these type rotations? Or are we going to go back to the mass waves? Yeah, I think I think we talked about it last week, uh, experimenting with those rotations. And the one that, that, that I mentioned last week was having Janai and Dylan on the floor at the same time. And I think that was one of the more successful uh, rotations you saw in Athens this weekend. And I would expect to see that continue even when Jalen Williams is back. It was good to see him travel with the team and, and be on the bench cheering on his teammates. It, it really does seem like that injury was, was fortunately not uh, as severe as it seemed when it did happen uh, in Neville Arena against Kentucky. But, no, you're right. I thought the team looked like it had fresh legs. Georgia made that run in the second half and, and cut it down. I mean, I, I, I don't remember the exact number, but it was within a possession maybe. And, and Auburn answered right back and, and turned, it, turned that into a blowout. Uh, obviously, Chad Baker of Mazzara, he, he, he filled in the scoring void that Jalen Williams left. And that, that was the question mark in my mind was how will you, how will, who will step up for Jalen Williams if Auburn's going to win against Georgia in the way it's been winning games? Because, of course, you could have gone to, gone to Athens and won 80-76, uh, and, and Auburn fans would still be happy. But to keep that double-digit winning streak alive, that's, that's really impressive that these guys were just ready and obviously can't say enough about Chaney Johnson and, and the work he's done this year and, and the performance he had. Aiden Holloway stepped up, made five threes when we've been talking about the shooting coming along. It really was the perfect response uh, following the bye, uh, the open day, and, and having a full week to prepare. What do you think it was, Hillman? This is just kind of a, an open-ended question and an opinion question, really. But what do you think it was that led to Aiden Holloway getting back into that rhythm? And then more importantly, can it continue with all of these different rotations we're going to see and with March quickly approaching? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It, it could be the rotations. Because the rotations were so different, maybe he was more comfortable uh, playing with, with the guys that he was on the floor. And that's not to say he's uncomfortable uh, with the other guys on the floor because – Coach Burrell's been talking about it all years. He hasn't seen the shot by Aiden that he, did, he doesn't think is going in. And I think that's a testament to how good of a shooter Aiden is. And he, 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 it's not like he's had a ton of bad shot selection. Um, but obviously, whenever he's, he, was, he was on that cold streak, you maybe didn't want, to sh- want him to shoot it as much. But if he's going five for eight from deep, you definitely want him to keep shooting that thing. And I think it does continue because we, 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 we've seen it that he can shoot the ball lights out. We saw in that first game against Baylor way back in November uh, in South Dakota. He shot really well, and we really thought that he was going to be that guy uh, that really uh, took Auburn to the next level this year. That's still possible. Auburn is still in contention for an SEC championship for top four, top three seed in the NCAA tournament. Now, who knows what can happen in March? So if this continues, then uh, Auburn has a really good chance to make uh, some kind of run. Uh, when we get to the postseason. Uh, two questions here, Jacob, real quick. Any timetable on when Jalen Williams will play again? And then do you think that, I don't know, maybe with all the rotations that Pearl 
worked in and out of games this season. Did it did it help when one player like Jalen Williams, who was so important, get when he these as silver lining perhaps that when he did get injured, that Auburn was more flexible and more easily adaptable because of all the rotations and and uh, to to you know get past his injury. Yeah, it, that second question is very interesting. But as far as the timeline for Jalen, it, it's really hard to say. I mean, all, I think Coach Pearl and I think this coach staff is keeping it close to the vest just uh, just because it it, it, does, it does work to your advantage if uh, a team has to game plan for these different kinds of rotations. And right. Whether or not you're going to have Jalen or not, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that injury was as severe because he was on the bench. It's not like he's on crutches or anything. If he was wearing a brace underneath uh, his sweatpants, it was a light brace. So, uh, we'll see. I, I probably wouldn't expect him to play on Wednesday at Tennessee, but but who knows after that? So it, it's hard to say as far as that goes. But yeah, it, it's interesting to see how those guys gel together, uh, even when your first or your second best player. I think I think Janai Broom, you know, he's leading the way in some of these national player of the year <laughs> of, of measurements. So mm-hmm. I, I think it really is because this team just just really loves loves each other. And Coach Burrell talked about that is that this team really does like each other and. Uh, individually, as a group, whatever it is, they're ready to just go out there and play for each other, no matter who it's with, and um, and, and really impress. Like, I mean, for example, Leo Berman got out there for 13 minutes, two for two from the field, um, and was playing hard defense. Uh, that that's the kind of stuff that you need uh, to step up, especially when a player like Jalen Williams goes down. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He's with us every Monday at 3.30 here on ESPN 106.7. And, man, we appreciate him and his time each and every week. Hey, quickly, before you get out of here, Sharif Cooper just signed a 10-day contract with the Ooh. Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't know if you saw that or not, but uh, they signed him on a 10-day, so we'll see how that goes, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, he's been absolutely killing it in the G League. I think a few weeks ago he nearly had a quadruple double with steals. So, yeah, it's, it's about time Sharif got his chance in there the uh, NBA. So. Hopefully the Cavaliers let he and Isaac Okoro go, go at it in the NBA ranks. Yeah, I hope so, man. I got to see Isaac play in person in the NBA a few weeks ago over in Atlanta, and he just looks mm-hmm. so, so good. And he's he's playing his role really well with the Cavs right now. And so hopefully, uh, yeah, like you said, him and Sharif can get some run-ins together. But, Hillman, we appreciate you, man. As always, tell everybody where you they could find you and everything you guys have going on at the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU and the Auburn Sports Network at AU Sports Network. This weekend, I'll have the call at J&B Moore Field on Friday and Sunday. Attaboy. Games are at 1 and 4 Central. And then I'll be joining Andy Bertram and Sonny Smith courtside for the Mississippi State game on Saturday, uh, airtime at 2.30, uh, tip-off at 3 o'clock Central. And, and yeah, follow AU Sports Network for all the other broadcast details. I think we'd get to, th- uh, to 4 o'clock if I went through it all right now. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll end it right there. Yeah, there you guys have so much going on and so many things happening with Auburn Athletics right now. So, man, we appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Uh, of course. See y'all then. War Eagle. That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network again every Monday, 3.30, right here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You want to know what's going on around Auburn Athletics? He knows it all. And we'll get to our final break and wrap up the show on the other side here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
winding down here on the Monday edition of On the Line. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel like a Monday. I don't know. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's that we had good things to talk about. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we appreciate you all being with us on this sunny Monday afternoon. Whether you've been here all show, first hour, second hour, final segment, whatever the case may be, we do appreciate you being here. We thank you so much for your time each and every day here between 2 and 4 p.m. Been a great show this afternoon talking Auburn basketball, college basketball, Auburn baseball, softball, just athletics with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Just got done talking with him. Uh, Been a great show today. And so if you missed any of it, as always, you can go and listen to listen to the podcast at ESPNAU.com. We'll post that after the show today. And uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, a lot more breakdown of this Auburn performance versus Georgia, more results around college basketball. Didn't get a ton into that today, but got a lot of time to do that tomorrow. Uh, Double D, Daryl Dapperch will be with oh, yeah. us in hour number two for 30 minutes. So excited for that on the show tomorrow as well. But I think general consensus here as we wrap it up, Big win for Auburn on Saturday, and the reason it was a big win, and I'll talk a lot more about this on the show tomorrow, but Auburn was a ranked team on the road to an unranked team, and they won the game. Yeah, they went on the road and took care of business, and that's what champions do. And uh, we've already seen this year, it's a trend. Percentage-wise, it's the most ever that ranked teams have lost on the road. It was 52% like two or three weeks ago compared to normal ranking of around 31%, I would dare say that percentage is still the same. Mm-hmm. So you're not – in today's NIL transfer portal world where worse teams can get better quickly, um, you're not going to constantly take care of business on the road. But the teams that do it the majority of the time or take care of business right now, those are teams you want to keep an eye on in the NCAA tournament. Real quick before we go, I hear the music – I think I'm looking at this Jalen Williams thing wrong. I'd like to hear what you and Daryl have to say about it tomorrow. When he comes back, I don't know if Auburn goes back to that rotation like they were doing. I think they may go to even more new rotations. Can you imagine Jalen Williams, Chad Baker-Mazar, and Chaney Johnson on the court all at the same time? Oh, goodness. Bruce Pearl's no dummy. He's probably been working this out. So get ready, Tiger fans. Wednesday, Tennessee. I think that's for the SEC championship moving forward regular season. Oh, man. Well, we'll talk about that on Wednesday. When you're back, Double D, Daryl Dapperch will be with me tomorrow, 2-4, to right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, he is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.